Hi, and welcome to the new Feminine Revolution podcast. This is a space for women who want to live with deep self-love, personal responsibility, and purpose. I am your host, Carolina Zuleta, and I'm an expert in helping women create extraordinary lives. I'm excited to have you join us. Hi, this is episode two of the new Feminine Revolution, and as always, I'm so happy to be with you here. Today, I am going to share with you one of the most powerful lessons I've learned in my life. It split my life in two. I can think about my life before that lesson and my life after that lesson. And if you right now, when you're listening to this, there's some area in your life that you're feeling stuck or that maybe it's not working like you want it to be working or there's a dream that you haven't achieved, I believe that learning this lesson is fundamental to be able to move past that and get what you really want. So this lesson came to mind because one of my friends posted on Facebook this week a question saying, what is the book that impacted you the most in the past 10 years? And I really had to think about it. I had to go back to my library and look at all the books that I've read, my Kindle, and then that book immediately stood out. It's a book that's called Man's Search for Meaning. And it was written by a man whose name is Viktor Frankl. And probably many of you have read it, but for those who haven't, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what this book is. But I encourage everyone strongly to go and read it. So Viktor Frankl um, was a Jew uh, doctor. He, I think he was a psychiatrist. And he lived through World War II, and he was captured by the Nazis and taken to the concentration camp in Auschwitz. And he was taken with his parents and his wife. So from one day to the next, he lost everything. He lost his freedom. He lost his loved ones because they were all taken to different places. He lost all of his belongings. He lost his career. You know, everything that you could possibly imagine that matters to us, he lost it. And yet when he got into this concentration camp, he promised himself that he was going to do three things. Number one, that he was going to learn the most that he could out of this experience. The two, that he was going to try everything that he could to be, get out of it alive. And then number three, that he was going to help as many people as possible. So the book is about his journey living in the concentration camp and what he learned. What he started observing is that a lot of people would be resilient and they would live. And even in the worst circumstances, they would stay strong and hopeful or, you know, find even some little moments of optimism and joy in all of that. While other people would give up and uh, would die. You know, a lot of them would commit suicide. So he started trying to figure out why that happened, why some people wanted to keep living and found that strength to stay alive and others gave up. And what he found out is that those who, who kept living and found that strength were actually had a meaning, had a purpose of why to stay alive. Either they wanted to go back to see their kids or they had a work that they felt that, they, that it was so important that they had to finish or some reason they give meaning to their life so powerfully that it gave them strength to endure the hardest of living conditions so from the book he has this very famous quote that really explains what he learned 
he wrote this. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. I get chills every time I read this quote. And if you ask the people who have worked with me for years, they'll tell you that it's present in every lesson I teach, in every conversation I have with my clients, because I really it, believe that if a man who was inside of a concentration camp, like really th living in the worst possible set of circumstances, knew he had the possibility and the option to choose his attitude, all of us can. No matter what's happening in our lives, I don't think it's it gets close as hard as what he's living. Maybe for some people on the planet, yes, but probably for all of us that were here listening to this, we don't even compare our lives to a concentration camp. So this quote I live by, I can always choose my attitude. But I didn't learn it that easily. I'm going to share with you the story of how I learned it. So about 10 years ago, I started doing personal work. I went to the first web, you know, seminar or workshop for an entire weekend. I had ever done in personal work. And in that workshop, the teacher asked us to do an activity. It was very simple. We had to turn to the person next to us and tell them, I felt a victim when. And we would tell them when we felt a, like a victim in our lives. I remember hearing this and being like, oh my God, this is so ridiculous. Like, there's no way. I'm going to do this. Plus, you know what? I've never felt like a victim. Never. So very politely putting, you know, a fake smile, honestly, I turned to my partner and I heard her say when she feels like a victim and I kind of like, mm, okay, whatever, poor her. She feels like a victim. And then I said, you know what? Quite funky. I don't think I've ever felt like a victim. <laughs> Now I can't imagine what she thought of me like this arrogant and, you know, clueless woman. But for me, I truly believed in that moment that I had never felt like a victim. So the workshop ended. I went home and that stood, stuck in my head. And I went to bed and I was thinking, victim, who does a teacher think she is? Like asking me to be a, tell when I'm a victim, I'm never a victim. How does she dare to do that? That is so ridiculous. I woke up the next morning and the same thing in my head over and over. Like how can, how dare she ask me to be a victim? And this went on for like two or three days. And for some reason, I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And I would feel anger every time I would think about it. And I would feel anger towards that teacher. And then it hit me. Oh my God, I am feeling like a victim. I'm not feeling like a victim to her activity, right? Like she's the bad person that made me, oh poor me, do that activity. So I was like, wow, if I'm feeling a victim here, where else am I feeling like a victim? And I started noticing a lot of areas in my life that I felt like a victim. For example, I was working long hours at a bank and I would feel a victim to I'm so tired. There's so much work. It never ends. Or there's difficult clients or my boss did this or told me this. And I would complain and complain and complain. I would complain about the guys I was dating. I would complain about my family. And I was like, I started opening my eyes and seeing how much I was not choosing my attitude, how much I was allowing the circumstances to put me in a position that I didn't want to be. 
as a victim. Many years later that I've kept doing personal work, I came uh, to find about this thing that's called the Drama Triangle. The Drama Triangle was created by Eric Byrne, the founder of Transactional Analysis, and his student Stephen Cartman. They developed the Drama Triangle to explain the dynamics of victimhood. And, and what is it that we are doing in it? So that lesson that I had 10 years ago, I kind of like deepen it even more. So I want to share with you what the drama triangle is. So basically, the drama triangle is something we all do as human beings. We all fall into it. And there are three positions. The first position is the persecutor or the bully. bully you know, right? It's like the person that is, you know, angry and yelling and upset. And we all see us like the villain. Then on the other corner of the triangle, there is the victim that we can think of the person like we're like, oh, poor this person. She has to endure all these awful things that the persecutor is doing. My God, she's so helpless. And then on the other corner is the rescuer. That is the person that is like, da-da-da-da, I am going to rescue you, victim, because if I don't rescue you, you are going to suffer. And I am the only one who can resolve this. And I am the only one who can fix this. Well, what happens in the drama triangle is that all of those positions come from the what we call the myth of victimhood. None of them are using their true power. So where do we see the, the drama triangle? We see it everywhere. I mean, you turn on the TV, all shows are about that, right? Like we have the hero, we have the victim, we have the uh, villain. That's what human dynamics are about. But we also see it in our daily lives. And by the way, if right now you're listening to me being like, oh, I don't do that. Yes, you do. You just are not paying close attention. Because even after we've learned what it is, we still do it. It's just part of being a human. It's part of human behavior. So, like I said, I've been walking, you know, for I've been practicing for 10 years trying not to be a victim, trying to be very, pay very close attention on how I can choose my own attitude. And yet still I fall into it. Not very long ago, a couple days ago, I uh, saw that my fiance went into the kitchen, he made dinner for himself, washed all of his dishes, and then I walked in, and what did I see? A glass in it. A glass that I had used to drink some water earlier. Well, here's where my mind went. Oh my god, like, really? He cannot wash one of my glasses? Like, come on, like, he's leaving that to punish me, right? So immediately I went into victimhood. He's the evil person, right? Like, he did not wash one the glass because he wanted to punish me. And because, yeah, he had made dinner. Yes, he had cleaned all of the other dishes in from the dinner. But he left this just to punish me. I was convinced. And I felt the anger and the hurt. And of course, thank God, because I have these tools now and this awareness. I was like, okay, I'm falling into a victimhood. I need to, to talk to him. But do you see how fast it happens? Or for example, you may work all day really hard and feel victim to t being tired. This is something that happens to me also. I have a three-month-old baby. I'm running a company. And like there's so many things that I'm wanting to do that like at the end of the day, I'm just like a victim. And I'm like, poor me. I'm so, so tired. 
Other times, I am the rescuer, right? Like I see two people that I care about having a fight and I'm like in the middle, like, guys, come on, let's resolve this. But in the inside, what I'm feeling is, oh my God, if I'm not the one who's in here trying to resolve this, trying to protect them, you know, this is never going to work. So, and the persecutor the same. Sometimes I'm like around, I'm like, you didn't do this and I'm blaming everyone because they didn't do their part and I'm not seeing my part. So I still fall in it and we all do. And that's just something that we're going to do because it's how we are programmed. Now, the important thing is to be aware of it. So why, why do we fall into these positions? Like, why do we fall into victimhood? Well, victimhood is, you know, a mistaken attempt to feel seen, appreciated, to feel connected to others. There's something that we actually want. So, for example, in the, in, in the example I gave you about the class, what I wanted is to feel like he was taking care of me. And that thing, like, made me feel like he wasn't taking care of me by not washing my one glass. Of course, secretly, I had forgotten that he had washed all the other dishes. But in that moment, that's what I saw. So always that we fall into victimhood is because we are wanting something but we're not revealing who we truly are because that's vulnerable. We're not revealing that we're hurt or that we have desires or that we're scared. So let's see each position, what's going on. So in the position of the victim, what's happening is that that person is not accurately expressing their pain, their fear, or their anger. Instead, they're putting all these emotions into a beautiful cocktail of self-pity hoping that someone will see it and come and rescue them, right? Like I have, you know, some friends that are always complaining about their husbands. You know, they, they did this and they do that. And what they're not connecting is to their true emotions and taking responsibility for them. They're putting themselves in this victim self-pity cocktail, wanting someone to come and rescue them. Now the persecutor the persecutor has allowed the emotions, like maybe fear or hurt, to build up into anger. And it's not expressing the anger in a, you know, responsible way. Like, I'm angry about this, but instead it's blaming and yelling and hurting other people. But in reality, what the persecutor also wants is to be seen. is to be that someone, again, will res rescue them and see underneath that anger that they are hurting. We see this in bullies with kids in school. The kid that is probably hurting the most is the bully. He's going to school to bully other kids because there's so much pain that he doesn't know what to do with it and, and he hurts other people instead. And then the third position is the rescuer. Well, the rescuer is making their lives about other people's lives. So they're usually, you know, and I, I, I'm a professional rescuer so I know this we make our lives about other people this person is sad so I need to be taking care of them this person is hurt so I need to take care of them and in a way we assume other people's problems like our own but inside we feel like yeah I'm taking care of anyone but nobody's taking care of me so we're also feeling like a victim we're also wanting to be heard and appreciated and seen and feel connected and loved but instead, we're making our lives about others because we're not taking responsibility for what we truly want. So take a minute. Probably as you're hearing me talk, you're already identifying wh where you fall. And by the way, we all play all positions. And you know what? It's the craziest thing. 
We even play all those positions in our head. We have an internal bully. We have an internal victim. We have an internal rescuer. And we have all this going on in our heads as well. As we have it going on with other people. And even we see it in companies, right? Like the sales team is blaming the marketing team because the marketing is not good enough to bring clients. Well, the ones in, you know, in, in production are saying the sales team are producing things, are selling things that we cannot produce. And blame just goes around and around and around. So again, this is human behavior and it's good to talk about it like there's, we don't want to create like this is a bad thing. It's just not helpful for what we want because, and here's the biggest thing, when we fall into victimhood, we give up our power. So we have dreams, we have things we want, we want to feel loved and connected with others. But every time we fall into victimhood, we give our power away. And that's why this is so important. And although we give our power away all the time, we can always take it back. And that's where we go to Viktor Frankl. You would think that someone living in a concentration camp is a true victim, right? Like, truly, like, that's the definition of victim. But if you look at it closer, inside of that scenario, he found that each person could choose their own attitude. And no matter what happened, they can still choose it. In fact... You know, it's like Viktor Frankl, when they, the Nazis found he was a psychiatrist, they started experimenting on him and they put him in like a dark uh, room with no food, with no clothes, with nothing to see how he would do. And even in there, he said, they could take away everything from me. I could still choose to have hope. I could still choose to close my eyes and think of my wife and how much I loved her. So... So this choice is something that nobody can take away from us, but that we can all give it away like that. So that's why this lesson is so important and why I say it changed my life. Because the moment I realized like, oh my God, I fall into victimhood so often, I'm giving my power away. And therefore, I'm not getting what I truly want that might be love and connection or might be going for certain dreams and empowering myself to get there. So how do we know? that we are falling into victimhood very easily. First, we're either blaming someone, we're shaming, so we're feeling like we are bad people, that we are not good enough, or we're justifying our actions. Blame, shame, and justification are the tools of victimhood. So if at any point you're doing any of those three, just remember, I am in victimhood right now. I'm giving my power away. And then what happens is that when we realize we're in victimhood, it kind of sucks. It sucks, right? Like we really want someone to just come and rescue us. And it feels almost like there's like this barrier to taking responsibility, right? Like I go, I'll go back to that very simple example of when I saw that glass that my fiance hadn't washed, right? Like I wanted to blame her. Like why couldn't just you just wash one last glass, right? But if I think about it closer, what was really going on was I had made up the story that he had left that there to punish me because he wanted me to do something, which by the way, like the moment I really thought about it, he's not like that. He's the most loving and generous and kind man. He had actually just cooked dinner for me and washed every other dish. So the moment I can take responsibility, I can go to him and say, hey, you know, I noticed this glass there and I felt hurt. I made up this story, but I know I may be wrong. Could you help me understand what happened? And his answer was like, you know what? I didn't even see it, period. And I believe him. He didn't even see it. 
So how many times do we see something like that, make up a story, fall into victimhood, create a huge problem, blame the other person, and then we don't, we don't move further from where we are. So again, in that conversation, he actually helped me see. He's like, I didn't see it. And by the way, did you notice that I did clean all the other dishes and that I cooked dinner? Did, have, are you taking that into account? And then I was like, oh my God, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm so sorry. I'm, I, I felt hurt. I'm wrong. And, and then like, what is it that I really wanted? Oh, I just wanted, you know, to feel loved and connected with him. And I went for that directly instead of creating the drama. So with that was what I, that's the lesson that I continue to practice every single day in my life when something is not going the way I want, when I'm feeling in a dark hole and, and everything seems so, you know, impossible or so stressful. Or I'm just so tired of taking care of a, a baby and I'm feeling like I don't have enough time to do other things. I go back and say, okay, how am I giving my power away? How can I take responsibility? And so, so again, I'm going to repeat this so you can do it. The three steps are number one, to know this and know that victimhood is part of our human behavior. Number two, pay attention when you're blaming, shaming, or justifying. Number three, decide that you're going to stop and that you want to take responsibility. Number four, what is it that you truly want in that moment? Most of the time, what we want is to be seen, to be loved, to be taken care of, to feel respected. So step number five is to go for that directly. And I'll tell you more about this in other episodes. But for now, even if you start just having the awareness of when you fall into victimhood, I promise you, you're going to feel way more empowered and way more powerful to achieve the things that you really want. So... This is the lesson. Also, I wanted to highlight that that's why when I talk about the new feminine revolution, one of the principles in it is personal responsibility. Because personal responsibility is the key that opens our self-empowerment. And this is what I've been talking about in this episode. So I would love to hear what you get out of this. So please email me to info at carolinazuleta.com and share with me Number one, where do you find yourself falling as a victim? And number two, when you fall, you now that you're noticing that, what is it that you truly want? I would love to hear from you. Also, remember that I'm on a mission to transform the lives of a million women. So if you like today's lesson, please share it with your mom, your sisters, your friends, your coworkers, any other woman you think could benefit from hearing this information. I'm sending you all my love and stay tuned for more life lessons next Monday. Bye.